Hello, everyone, and welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes. I'm an author, lifestyle entrepreneur, former pro athlete, and world record holder in football. My goal with the School of Greatness is to share with you stories from the most inspiring business minds, world-class athletes, and influential celebrities on the planet to find out what makes great people great. So please leave us a review on iTunes and join us on the web at schoolofgreatness.com to be notified of each episode when it comes out. Now let's get after it. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? Thanks so much for checking out this episode. And before I get into it and introduce who my next guest is for the School of Greatness, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone out there who's been listening, downloading, commenting. Uh, you guys have been leaving me some amazing messages online about this show, and it's, uh, it's extremely inspiring and motivating me to continue bringing on great guests for you and uh, covering this topic on the School of Greatness. Now, <clears throat> wanted to say something really quick. I've had a lot of uh, five-star reviews on iTunes. Just want to say thanks to a few of the people out there who've left some reviews, and I'll mention a few at the end, but Julia Price, I saw, left a great message. Uh, Canal Girl, uh, Chicago Crazy, Chris G10, I see Daniel Coleman, The Motivated Creative, Todd Bowen, Ram427, Johnny King, Nicola James, lots and lots of great people. I'll mention some more at the very end again, but uh, you guys are a part of the reason what's driving me to continue doing this, and that's extremely positive. Had had well over 20,000 downloads in the first couple of weeks of the podcast. It's been on the top of the new and noteworthy section on iTunes uh, pretty much in the first few spots every day, so I couldn't do it without you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And... Um, our next guest that I'm bringing on is a, is a cool guy that I've recently met, and his name's David Anderson. Now, he played in the NFL for about six years, and he'll actually share his story here in just a second. But this is a guy that does not really look like an, an amazing athlete. When you, when you meet him, when you talk to him, you know, he's a, he's a smaller guy, but he, he played at the top level of one of the most athletic uh, leagues in the world, the NFL, and he played at a, at a high level for a long time. Now, we're going to talk about uh, his whole story, what he really did uh, while he was there, kind of some, some interesting stuff he did with uh, Peyton Manning and um, some of the best quarterbacks in the world, what he learned from them, uh, the mindset of a champion, and some other great things. He'll get into that in a second, but I just want to take a quick minute to let you know that we, we have a new sponsor for the show. And uh, the sponsor is onit.com. Now, with that, let's get into the interview with my man, David Anderson. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off 
We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great day today. I'm with uh, a new friend of mine who we've hit it off pretty well. We just had lunch here in Hollywood area, and now we're back at my place in West Hollywood. Thought we'd get together and do a little recording for the School of Greatness. His name is David Anderson, and he is a six-year NFL vet, wide receiver for the Houston Texans most of your time. And then tell me a little bit more about what were the other places. Well, Houston Texans, uh, where I had the privilege of getting cut five times. So if chasing <laughs> your dream is something, that I definitely was doing that. But I played a little uh, training camp with the Denver Broncos, went back to the Texans, and then finished up my career with the Washington Redskins. Washington Redskins. And then you got – so you didn't get injured. You just got cut at the end, right? I didn't get injured. Uh, I actually finished my career. I was just fine. Um, I just didn't sign back with Washington. I was planning on finishing out a great season and, and getting a big $10 million deal like Wes Welker. But <laughs> they didn't – we weren't on the same page. So instead, uh, I just kind of waited throughout free agency and – you know, like probably 99% of the NFL, the NFL retires you instead of you retiring right. from the NFL. Right. I mean, not even Brett Favre got to decide when he wanted to quit. So uh, I walked away healthy and happy and uh, now ready to go on to something new. Right. So tell tell uh, the listeners what type of player you you resembled or what type of player? Well, unfortunately, the NFL is a rather a, a label type of business. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm white and I'm 5'10". So immediately, <laughs> before, what, I came in the NFL and Wes Welker was still unknown. So they didn't compare me to Wes Welker. They would say Steve Tasker or know um, that is. Tim Dwight. Oh, sure. Or, you know, basically they're 5'10". White people right. is what it is. <laughs> Which, when I always thought my game kind of resembled a little more of like a Santana Moss uh, or some or Steve Smith who actually went to Utah oh, yeah. and was a punt returner. Granted, they actually were a little more athletic, but our numbers weren't that different. Right. And I was planning on playing receiver. There wasn't a position called slot receiver when I was uh, first you're in be, the you're NFL. You were a wideout. I was going to be a wideout, yeah, yeah, just like what you think you're going to do. And uh, not until you leave college are you, do you realize that you're not a you're not as good as you think. Uh-huh. And you can't be a craft of everything. You have to learn what you do and do that well. The best, yeah. Right. There's only probably two receivers 
Probably not even. You wouldn't put Calvin Johnson in the middle of the field to run five-yard outs because he's just not good at that. Right. His strides are too long or something like that. So you put him outside where he does best and his matchups are, are you know, you can exploit them a little better. So um, you got to realize what you do well, and, and that happened to be in the middle of the field where some guys aren't willing to go. And, and a lot of guys, they, they grow alligator arms in the middle of the field. And I was willing to th- throw my body around there, and I understood the position of defense. So I uh, yeah. was able to exploit them a little better. Right, exactly. So you went to Colorado State, and you had four successful years there. Did you play all four years? Yeah, or? didn't redshirt, went there right away. Really? Yeah, got out. I graduated in three and a half, actually. You'd be proud of me. Did you start as a freshman? I did not. I started two games as a freshman. Uh <clears throat> I didn't play my first game. My freshman year at CSU, we beat Virginia at Virginia, and then we beat CU at, at Mile High Stadium. Oh. Uh, Virginia was ranked, I think, fifteen. CU was number four, and we weren't ranked. CSU was not ranked. And then we came to the Rose Bowl and played UCLA, and we lost by two point conversion. Oh. Uh, so we were supposed to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, oh. but that was when Fresno State had David Carr, and they won, and they got on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Dang. So. We just missed the bus there, but yeah, I uh, played my freshman year and then started sophomore, junior, senior. What was the most exciting game you ever played in in college? Uh, against Colorado at their place. It was a back-and-forth football game. We were down four um, with like a minute 30 left. We drive down the field. I catch the ball. In, if there was a review, it would be a touchdown, but it was before there was the review. So they could spot the ball on the one-yard line, and we don't have any timeouts, and there's like 28 seconds left. We have a run play. We get stuffed at the one again. Oh. We run off the field, try to run jumbo on. We snap the ball. For a field goal. No. Oh, for it a, down four. Oh, jumbo, gotcha. jumbo, the big package. Gotcha. They hike the ball. The running back goes the wrong way. Quarterback peels back around, gets tackled. We lose the game. Oh, man. They storm the field. Oh. I'm throwing punches at students. And that was, <laughs> and that was the last game against Colorado. Oh, man. My <laughs> friend uh, Adam Bornstein is a huge... Uh, a huge Colorado guy graduated there. Would love to hear that story from your side. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, he was probably storming the field that yeah. game. <laughs> Mason, I can say Mason Crosby, the kicker for the Packers, ruined my college career. Oh, I think he made a he made four field goals over fifty yards my junior and senior year. Oh wow, that's crazy. Wow. Like I, and I mean, you're in that Colorado altitude. Right. I'd see him warming up, kicking like seventy-five yards. Jeez, man! <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. You kicked field goals in college. I kicked a I kicked a forty-two yarder in high school, actually. With the old and, toe uh, punt? No, man, soccer style. Because I used to play soccer. I was a varsity soccer player my freshman year. I didn't play football until my sophomore year in high school. I played my freshman year. It was my first year football. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. basketball otherwise. Yeah, I played basketball too. So, interesting. Um, <clears throat> so, this is a, you guys are learning a lot about David, just like I am, because we just met a few hours ago. We've been talking online, the Twitter and email, back and forth, kind of talking about stuff, because David is now retired from the NFL. This was his last season was in 2012. 11? Last, last year, not, yeah, so not this year, but last 2011. year. 2011. 12 season, but 2000, yeah. 2012, 2011, 2012, it, whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so this year he uh, he was in shape, you know, hopefully going to play, but then it, for whatever reason didn't happen, and you feel pretty okay with that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough. You obviously, you stay in shape, you hope someone calls, you're considered a free agent, and there's a lot of right. good players out there just waiting to get picked up, but... Um, you could blame a lot of things, you know, the CBA structure, that yeah. the guys had to pay you a certain amount to bring you in, um, that there was younger players, you know, that the practice squad can only be filled by certain right. players, 
that they had these vets, that a, a player of my size or caliber you know, can only play these certain positions. There's a lot of factors in which you could use excuses. A lot of excuses. But that's all they are is excuses. But really, if you're a playmaker or they liked you enough. If they really what? liked you and you're in the right system and you fit and – then, then you, you make plays, and then they, they then you. they pay you, and they keep you, and um, you know that goes for a lot of things in life. Yeah. You know, you could you could very well still be on a couch in Ohio for all your listeners. <laughs> I learned that today. So you just hope that you meet the right people, that you get put in the right situations, and, yeah. and you know that happens in the NFL, just like the business world. You know, you right. could go work for NBC, but if you were on CBS, you'd have your own show, and right. instead exactly. you're you're watching television. So exactly. it's uh it's humbling, but. I mean, I still got to play six got, years. It taste, was fun. Man. It was fun. No, was the dream as a kid always to be a, in the NBA or to be a pro a pro athlete? I think in fifth grade, my mom showed me this uh, like book report. I wrote that I wanted to play either football for football for Notre Dame and in the NFL, or play basketball for UCLA mm. and work for Fox. <laughs> I don't know how fifth those grade? fifth grade is what I said this. So I didn't. Do any of them in college? But I played in the NFL, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I had aspirations to always be the best in athletics. Uh, mm. You know, I think that's just the way I looked at it. That I, I was, I was good. I was, growing up, I was always the best player on the team. Um, in eighth grade, I was probably not the best player on the team. I played on an inner city basketball team here in California. Studs. Four, four of those guys play in the NBA, and so they were probably grown ass men. They were grown men. Gilbert Arenas was on our team. Uh, Brandon Heath, who plays over in Europe, was a great basketball player. Pooh Richardson, who plays for the Trailblazers, there's, there's a lot of great players that are on that team. And I ended up playing football in the NBA. So it was just right. it just shows that athletically. To all you guys, to all you people listening that are parents, your children will decide what sport to play and. They will get found. You don't have to put your kid in third grade and you know the school, the Peyton Manning school, and, and learn yeah. how to be a quarterback already. If they're a good athlete and they learn how to play, because you get found when you're 14, not when you're five. yeah, you know, and and just like you, you played all sports growing up, mm-hmm. and and I think that's the healthy way to do it because you get a taste, mm-hmm. you find out what you like, and right. you don't get burnt out. You kind of uh, go yeah. about it at your own pace, and yeah, and you know, as a parent, you wouldn't decide uh, a career on your kid. So that yeah. if you're trying to decide a sport, that's that might be a career. So you got to be mm-hmm. careful in what you're picking. That's you true. wouldn't tell your kid, you know, you got to be a photographer, and yeah. You don't ever put this camera down. So it's the same thing for, uh, you know, say, oh, you're going to play basketball your career or tennis right. or whatever it is. But. Right. Now, why did you want to be – why did you want to be the best at what you were doing? Why did you want to be a pro athlete? Why did you want to be like – what was it mentally? Or was there something that happened when you are growing when up? When I was – you know, I had older brothers yeah. uh, that are 10 years and 20 years older. And so I was always challenged. You're the youngest? I'm the youngest. Youngest of three. Um and my brother was 10 years older, so when I was 8, he was 18, and I remember him coming back from his freshman year of college and asking if I wanted to play basketball, and that was my sport. Yeah. And I beat him in one-on-one. And I was, when you were 8? When I was 8, and he was 18. Shut and up. he pushed me in the back, and I slammed my head through the garage. Wow. My dad comes out and asks what happened, and he said that I got mad, and I punted the ball into the garage. And right then, I knew... That I was that I had won because my brother not only lost, but he had to make an excuse lie. for his lie, loss lie. and lie about him losing. So I was like, okay, this is the way it's going to go. I'm fine with this, and 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 I just kept, you know, I used that type of motivation. And I never, you know, when people meet me, they're like, oh, you're small or you're this, or you're that. Mm-hmm. I never, I never, I've never had a different body, so I don't know yeah. how that works. I just know the gifts that I was provided with athletically. I, I use them to the best I knew how, and. Yeah. Um, 
I just always kind of found a way to get open playing football. In high school, I, I wasn't that much smaller in high school. I was yeah. kind of full-grown almost. So, right. And speed-wise, I was just fine. And in college, I went to Colorado State where I probably had, had a earlier opportunity to play opposed to if I went to an SC school or Pac-10 school. I, I'm confident that I would have played at those schools. But I've probably been like, yeah, junior or senior. Right. So I got on the field earlier. I got exposed to the talent. I got exposed to the speed, and I learned and – my sophomore year, one of our receivers got drafted, and I was better than he was. Really? So my sophomore year, I knew he was a senior. He was a senior. My sophomore year, I knew I was going to play. I'm like, all right, my new goal, NFL. Wow. Get drafted. And so basically, that's what I, I set set my sights on, and that was as high as you can go, right? So at that point, you know, you're 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 in, and I was in it to win it, and so. <laughs> You know, I just I trained every day, sophomore, junior year, like I was trying to play in the NFL. If they said run once, I'd run twice. Yeah. If they say six a.m. run and three afternoon run, I ran six a.m. and three in the afternoon. Wow. Um, I was never a huge lifter because that really didn't matter. It, I felt like with my size, there's not a big difference between one ninety five and two oh five. You're still small, uh, yeah. a smaller receiver. It's more so about speed. And good it's hands. more about what what is your what do you feel comfortable in your body doing, yeah. and how can you. You know, what is your weight to play best at? Not what do they think your weight right. is to play best at. And so I understood that at an early age. And, and I kind of just went about sports like that. And to you know, better mm-hmm. asking your question why I wanted to be great, it was I didn't know anything else, to be right. honest. It was just the way I was going to do it. Mm. Now, interesting. What's been the hardest uh, thing mentally for you through college and the NFL to, like, to learn how to adapt? Because when you go from high school to college – I remember my freshman year was like a smack in the face, just trying to learn like system, the offense, and new team and everything. What did you do, or how did you deal with the mental challenges of college football, big time college football, and then the immense stress in the NFL? Yeah, uh, I would say going when people ask about the speed and and everything, I'd say when you play high school football, everyone everyone's ran on ran on a treadmill. So high school football was like walking on a treadmill and talking to the person next to you. That's what high school football was like. College football was like you hit hit it up five miles per hour faster, yeah. and now they're asking you questions, and you have to answer like, questions. Yeah, like Just normal questions. Division. It'd be like okay. if we were doing this on uh, on a treadmill. We're sure. running sure, now. Sure. You know, you, sometimes you, get, you think of two things. NFL is you turn it all the way up. And they ask you, you know, Calcius factor out, <laughs> factor out the x in this equation. Right, right, right. You know, give me, give me the slope of this line. Yeah, you're like, right. well, I remember that, but how do I do this? You're running like, 15 miles, and an you're hour. running as fast as you can. Like, the routes aren't any different mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you're already running full speed, and you right. know you have to catch up and stuff. And so you have to fight that mental. Some some way you have to slow the game down. Either you have to be fast enough to where mm-hmm. the game's slow or you have to think fast enough to where right. the game is all, is in front of you. Wow. So that would be the way I would say how to adapt. Now, it's about putting in hours. Uh, if you go back to my phone, I was doing it the other day, I have voice recordings of me saying the plays to myself and then thinking about the play because oh. I didn't learn... Looking at a playbook is, is fine. I learned the plays, but... You don't. The quarterback doesn't come out with a book. Yeah, he says them to you, so you do have to be able to visualize mm-hmm. it. It's not about wow. reading it and putting it and being able to do it. It's about hearing it and be able to do it. So I would read myself the plays. It's about finding a way to learn, finding a way to prepare yourself for when the opportunity comes. And I right. think that's the way I showed up. And I was constantly present, and I was I was never hurt. I was always on the field. And wow. If someone needed a rep or was tired, I, was, I would go get a rep, and right. you know, I would yeah, I would be open backside. Yeah, I didn't get the ball, but they can never say he was covered backside. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we, maybe we should throw this guy the ball. So, right, 
you know, it's about just finding finding what you do well, uh, finding your approach, and, and setting yourself apart. And however you have to do that, you know, some yeah. guys. And we had guys that would tape, you know, with the white tape on the wrist. If you look yeah. on the inside, they have the ten routes that they have throughout the day, and they're all written down left side Remember of the formation. Da, da, da. They, they don't want to, you don't want to be the guy that's getting wrong. And some guys do whatever it takes. They gave them ten million dollars so they can make more mistakes, and some guys are giving them ten grand, and you have to be perfect on every play. So Jeez. you just got to know your know your role, as they say. Know your role. It's interesting because you know in business or in sports, I always talk about. You've got to put a lot of the time and, and energy and experience, get the experience first, and then just so you're ready when your number's called. Because just like you said, you got to be ready, you got to be open when they throw you the ball. Yeah. If you're not open, then they can't throw you the ball. You got to have the chance to be open. Absolutely, you know, and and, and it's about setting that groundwork, that yeah. experience. It's yeah. it's why why would they give you this opportunity? Right. You have to prove that you've you've earned that opportunity. And, right. You know, and, and that's something we talked about at lunch, and we'll probably touch on here is, yeah. is getting that experience to prepare yourself, and then finding what you want to do to to do that. You right. know what I mean? Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. But no one's going to hire someone for six months. Right. If someone wants someone that's going to grind for two years and then they'll give you an opportunity. And so, you know, it's gotta be NFL will expose you. Mm. And uh, yeah. if you're just, if you think you're going to go in there and get a job in six months, you're wrong. Right. Cause they don't, they don't pay seventh rounders until year three. So you have to hang around for at least three years. Right. And so, What's the, what's, what's the minimum salary for minimum seventh. salary for a seventh rounder? When when I was there, it was two sixty five. Now right. I think it's three sixty five. Gotcha. So it goes up like twenty five uh, grand a year. But um, so you're not making, which is nice money. But say you only play one season, you've made three hundred sixty five thousand dollars. You probably take home one hundred twenty because you got to pay your agent, you got to pay some bills. You probably owe you know student loans, student or, whatever, loans or some credit card bills or your car or whatever so now you have one hundred twenty thousand dollars. you have hopefully you graduated from you know mississippi state if you didn't you got to go back to school right and so now you have where are you you know what i mean that's the problem 24 with a lot of guys. 25 and you're and you have zero experience and you're and you're you know just sent out there in the world and hopefully you've made you know you didn't make too many mistakes personally mm. where you have mouths to feed or anything like this but right. that's just too common amongst players you know yeah. they think that you know they've had so many coaches and people helping them in their entire lives they feel indebted to like yeah when someone asks you want to give back yeah so now it's well, I think the stat on from Sports Illustrated was 78 percent of NFL athletes go bankrupt two years after they retire. Yeah, the NFL and basketball is pretty bad, and it's that exact reason because the career is not over three years, right? So those guys are almost most definitely going bankrupt right. because they don't have any money to begin with. And so, I mean, bankrupt if you had fifteen, you have zero. I guess that's considered bankrupt too. Right. But you always want you always hear about the guy who had twenty million. You know, twenty million is bankrupt. Well, it wasn't really twenty million. Um, he got. He spent a lot of it having fun, living the lifestyle. Um, he was kind of risky in some business investments, and then he just didn't understand how it really works. The day he retires, it's it's over. That paycheck isn't coming. There's nothing coming. People are like, "Oh, you have an NFL pension." Well, a lot of guys don't reti- officially retire for two, three years because they still want to be cons- be able to go back in the NFL. Mm. So that hasn't even showed up yet. And that's only about thirty five grand. Mm. If you're used to living off a million five, two million dollars, thirty five grand you can waste in a weekend. Yeah, and they're so they're just trying to figure out you know, a way to stay afloat, and so they're hoping this new risky business is going to come in. Oh, I gave you know three million bucks to this sports facility in Florida that's supposed to you know turn athletes' forties and you know right. drop three tenths, and all of a sudden, oh wait, the trainer you know dipped out, and now we have no money, and he's living in the Bahamas. 
and you're fifty at, grand a month. Yeah, you're gone. Or, yeah. and your name is on the lease, and you yeah. still owe nine million dollars. Now your three million turned into a six million dollar investment, and you exactly. get none of it back. So yeah. that happens. I mean, I think that happened to Mark Brunel. That's happened to a lot of guys that played 14, 15 years. And wow. So I mean, they do a better job of educating you now, but you're just not prepared. The difference is, you work your whole life. Uh, as a normal business person and you're 40 years old and you're prepared to get money. You've worked your way right. up. You've steadily stayed afloat. You know how to get money. Well, these kids, myself included, you're 23 years old. You have been you know, pushed through school in order to just be eligible and now they hand you $10 million. You don't have any idea how to really turn that $10 million into something that's sustainable for it. life, how to manage it, who not to give it to, right. where to put it, how to save it. How not to, you know, what to spend it on, what not to spend it on. And so it's just gone in an instant. And the NFL tries to do some education programs, but really there's a disconnect between the, the people talking and the, the athletes. And the, and the they're not listening, listening to them. They're exactly not, right. they don't really care. They just want to make money. No one thinks it can happen to them. Yeah. You know, right? and they and, uh, yes, you get they those do. huge checks coming in every week. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, Jared Nicholas, 
who played for a couple seasons for the Rams back in the day and another team, uh, I think the Patriots. He, he, I remember he, taught, he said that the first week after he signed with them, after training camp, he got like $25,000 check or something the first week, and he was just blown away by this check. It was like twenty or twenty-five grand. And he said next to him was, uh, shoot, who's the old – who was the, the quarterback before uh, – for the Patriots? Or Brady Bledsoe, uh, right? Yeah, Drew Bledsoe. He got a head injury or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a quarterback then, and he said he was his locker mate or whatever. And he threw down his check because he didn't really care. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. He threw his check down. It's a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. So every week he's getting a quarter of a million dollar check. Well, there's a great story about that. Mike Flanagan used to play center for the Houston Texans. He said he was cleaning out Brett, helping Brett Favre clean out his lockers. Brett Favre had two lockers in Green Bay, and he found a check in the back for four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that he had yet to cash. And it was like a year and a half old. Oh my god! He didn't even know it was in the back. Know. He didn't know. Did he care? And he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll take that." Like he's like, <laughs> "Yeah." By the way, there's just a, almost a half a million dollars sitting in the back of the locker. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah. And now they do direct deposit. Otherwise, right. these guys would have a serious problem. Did you imagine how awkward it is? Some guys walk in with a hundred thousand dollars check to Wells Fargo in your student account that you had last year, and they're like, "You should probably invest this." And then, I mean, they don't know any better. It happened to me. They I mean, buy a bunch of cars and stuff. Hopefully you, not. What'd you do with your first check? Your first. I drove a Toyota, I drove a Toyota SR5 all through high school and college. That's the year before they came out with the Tacoma '89. Uh, Six years old, younger than I was, the car. And uh, so I, I, I seventh round, I got a, a signing bonus. Well, what's your claim to fame about the seventh round pick? Seventh round, 251, Marcus Colston was one pick behind me. Still playing. <laughs> what's his better. contract with, like? Oh, I don't know what it is now. I think he got a, I think he's on his third deal. Hmm. He must be because we signed three-year deals or four-year. Now, he might be on the tail end of his second deal. But anyway, right. he's got a lot of money. Um <laughs> And so I bought a Ford F-150 out of Houston. Uh, that's the first thing I bought. Then I got my mom a new washer and dryer. There you go. I was a good son. You got to get your mom something, right? You got to get your mom something. I told her I was going to get her a car, but I just didn't have the means yet. <laughs> <laughs> this never happened, but you know, she's, she's doing just fine. Nice. So tell me about – I want to know more about the mindset of some of the greatest athletes you played with in the NFL and what really separated the guys like uh, – like you said, Peyton Manning at lunch was just like the most unbelievable quarterback you've played with or caught with. Uh-huh. What really separates these guys' minds over maybe a, a great athlete, but that doesn't perform as well? Um, you uh, you know they're not bullshitting. Mm. Um, they they speak in very simple terms. They can break down the game or their process just the same way that they play the game or the process. Mm. Athletically, they look like it's not difficult. The game does not look that hard for Peyton Manning. It looks like he has plenty of time. It looks like he know like like his players are wide open, or every now and then he'll make a great pass. But he knows what he's doing before the game, before the ball is snapped. He's done all the preparation throughout the week, and he speaks the same way. So when you're standing there and he's explaining to you why you need to come out the route downhill, why you should bleed up field on this certain route, you understand why because he's. Using you know terms that you understand, right. he's relating it to the way you usually run the route. He's explaining the defense and their leverage <clears> and, and how you can use that against them. And then you watch guys like Andre Johnson and Arian Foster that that I played with in Houston, and they do the same thing but without words. You mm. know what I mean? The, you you don't have to use a lot of words to get your point across, right. and that's uh, something I see in the business world that translates is some of the smartest men just listen. 
Mm. And they let you make the mistakes, and then they'll they'll they know where to capitalize or things like that. And right. um, if you understand, you know how to ask the right questions, you pay attention to the right pieces of information, you you can do wonders. And those guys <coughs> can do that. They they understood blitz pickup. They understood when they can you know run the route a little different. They understand athletically what they can get away with, and and they did that. And they exposed right. people. And um, you know you have to know what you just like I said earlier. You have to know what you do well. And fortunately for those guys, they're such talented football players and athletes. They do a lot of stuff better than anyone else. So they just do that, and they say, you know, come get catch me if you can, basically. So uh, that's a fun way to look at it, and I think it's it's easy for people to understand because it looks so easy to them, and it's and it's not. It's not easy to them. They just have they they understand themselves. They understand the game. They understand how to tell people. They understand, right. you know. You know, their awareness is, right. is is like heightened. I don't know why you knew how to spin. The guy was behind you. How did you know the spin? You right. know, they're like, I don't know. I just felt it. You know, things like that. Why did you invest in this? I don't know. It just it sounded like a great. It sound, you know what I mean? Like right. everyone, everyone they did feel it. Why would you do that? Da, da, da. It's, just, it's the same thing. And so um, it's interesting to see those people, and you just hope that they have success off the field, like they right. did on. Now, why? How do people like that, how do you think a person like Peyton Manning learns how to be that way? Like, how does he transform his mind from just a kid playing football in the backyard, probably going through stress and struggle with high school to football and college with girls and relationships? To yeah. like, how do you, how does someone mold their mind? I would say first think, reps. To think like a champion. Reps. You know, uh, he's probably never, everything done on the field, he's probably repped out. Ten times in person practice, and he's probably repped a hundred <clears throat> times mentally already. Mm. And so, every situation, oh, every situation. I, I, I'm willing to bet he's probably been caught by surprise two times in his NFL career. You'd never see that guy just get laid out, meleeed from behind, like unless something breaks down protection, like you see a left tackle just right. get you know bulldozed or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's their fault. So uh, I'd say reps, and then that's what creates. The, his com- he's comfortable. Confidence. He's comfortable, and then he's confident because he's comfortable. And yeah. then when you're confident and you're comfortable and you're prepared, it's up to you. And, and however they successful you are, these things. Down. Oh, it's it's like the matrix. All yeah. of a sudden, mm-hmm. and that happens to every great athlete you see. And I remember it happened to me in college. In the NFL, mm-hmm. I think it happened one season. I had the game slow down, and another seasons after you don't get a reps, it speeds back up again. But yeah. I, I specifically remember in college against Fresno State, my <clears> freshman year. All of a sudden, it's like. Everyone was a step slower than I thought they so were. Easy. It was just like every the game just went on slow mo on pause, and that's what it must be like for Peyton Manning. Even amongst the yeah. fastest humans on the planet, it just looks to him like the game is just a game of chess. That he's sitting back there, he's, he's toying with you with his language. He's pointing at people that doesn't matter. He's doing mic calls, and that's not even the mic, but he's sending. You know, they're doing opposite calls, yeah. and so he he's definitely a step ahead of people. My favorite is when you listen to like those NFL audibles or those. Uh, sound effects yeah. and they're like I know what he's saying when he says this they're doing this and then you see him all run to the left and he goes to the right and like he he, he knows you think you know he's yeah. the, the old double reverse psychology <laughs> that's hilarious now you said you got to catch with him a couple times or one time one time I caught with, I caught a couple of painting passes uh, a lot you know I caught a lot of I caught a couple from Tom Brady majority of Southern California can catch a lot of SC quarterbacks so right. I caught a lot from Carson Palmer and Matt, Matt Leiner and uh, Matt Castle, um, your boy Brandon Hans, yeah. uh, every now and then. But uh, realist, I mean, you get to that level, it's hard to tell. And, They're all. You know, I think I think amazing. Peyton puts it on, 
puts the ball in a certain place, which is nice. Carson Palmer looks like robo quarterback. I mean, he just the ball's so sharp, comes out fast. You know, sometimes it's a little behind you or whatnot, but it, he definitely looks apart in his deliveries. Yeah, I mean, you look at Peyton's balls; they're all wobbly. Right, you know, and but, awkward, they're the right but they're exactly where they're supposed to be. So <laughs> it's tough to say, but you know, those quarterbacks. I always wish I played quarterback, but then mm, when I got to the NFL, sure. I'm like, no thanks. Oh right, yeah, no, yes. no. Get some beaties, man. Yeah, no, no. Drew Brees is doing very well. He's about your height. You say it. Maybe he's your height. He's like how six tall four, are you? Six four. You're six four. Yeah. You gotta look up your profile. I'm six four. <laughs> I was six four, flat foot at the Ohio State combine. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Never. <laughs> never creeped over six. <laughs> That's all right. He played in the NFL. I did it. <laughs> all right, so what? Um, tell me some other. Tell me some other stories about. Uh, we we're talking about uh, Tebow. Now, this is a guy that people either love or hate. Yes. And uh, you don't have to tell me if you love him or hate him, but you told me you had some interesting conversations with him. And you have you have to catch with him when you were playing with uh, the Broncos for a little bit. Uh, but you actually didn't play a game with the Broncos. I played. Well, I played preseason game with preseason. Tebow. I was second. Uh, I, w- I was run- I was running with the twos, and so I would go in right. there with Tebow. And actually, I preferred to go in with Quinn at the time, right? Because as a veteran receiver, um, and you go in with Tim Tebow, a lot of times you weren't sure um, he's going to put the ball on the mark. Well, not like, not only that was he going to put the ball on the mark or not, but a lot of times you're like, I'm not supposed to get the ball in this coverage. I'm not supposed to get the ball. Why is he looking at me? Why is he looking at me? He should not be looking at on me. On the third option, do not throw the ball over here. There's a guy standing right in front, and then you would throw it, and you look bad because you're like you run the other direction. You don't want to get meleeed or something like that. And say what you want about guys getting alligator arms, but when you know you're not supposed to get the ball and they throw the ball your way, you're like, this is going to end in disaster. So yeah. that would happen a couple happen a couple times. Um, I had never seen anything like it when, when Tebow was in Denver. He was beyond a fan fra- uh, favorite. He would, he would scramble in seven-on-seven seven drills. For, for all of you listening, seven-on-seven seven is uh, no, no alignment. No, no, but it's no. not even seven-on-seven. Seven. It's actually a quarterback and no, four no receivers. You know, a quarterback, four receivers, and a running back. Right. So we actually have five against their seven, four, uh, three linebackers, and four DBs. So uh, and yeah, and you're supposed to get rid of the ball in like two, three seconds, like yeah. if there was a rush. Well, Tebow would start scrambling. Shut up. During seven on seven drills, if no one was open, and some, and I would stop running because I was with, when I was with the Texans. You don't scramble; you just throw the ball to the back if no one's yeah. open, or bury it and go to the next play. He would start scrambling, and all these guys would run around and stuff, and I wasn't used to it. And then he would throw this bomb, and someone catching in his own, the crowd would go crazy. I'm like, this isn't. That's not real. There's no one chasing him. And then every now and then he would do it in real life, so he'd be like, well, I guess it's kind of real. But uh, it was interesting. And I have – my perspective is that he's he's pretty guarded because, mm-hmm. just like you said, you either hate him beyond belief or you absolutely love him more than anything. And uh, he does a great job with, with all his charities. He gives a lot of his time away to people. I know he was very generous to a lot of uh, you know underprivileged people you know right. all throughout Denver and you know pretty much I think he's the got world. a charity in the Philippines and you know Cuba or whatever all over the world. But he also has this edge about him that he always wants to compete and things like that. Mm-hmm. And some people take that the wrong way, especially within a locker room. Like if you're a backup quarterback, a lot of time you're supposed to be a support system for the starter, not trying to get the not trying job. to get it or or you know pushing the media towards you or anything like that. And he wouldn't back away. And so there's nothing wrong with that the way he did it. But he also didn't deflect the the attention mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, um, I could see how that rubbed people the wrong way, but. I mean, he won a Heisman Trophy. 
Uh, he got drafted in the first round, won, I think, two national titles. So you can't mock him as an athlete. As as far as where he's going to go you know, from now on and, and whatnot, you, know, you just wish him the best of luck. He'll be yeah. just fine. I think he just signed a, what, a couple million dollars to say he likes <clears throat> TiVo, doesn't he? Jeez. I think he does. He's back with TiVo. TiVo, TiVo, TiVo. Oh, TiVo. Yeah, I don't know. They start... They signed him as a brand ambassador. I was like, Dude, I'll be a brand ambassador for anything. Yeah, exactly. The old flip cameras, I'll be a band. Exactly. Oh, the the wind up cameras, I'll bring those back. You want a brand ambassador? Exactly. Now, um, greatest athlete you were talking about before. Who do you think is the greatest athlete you've ever seen? Great. The two greatest athletes uh, that that I've seen are Reggie Bush and Andre Johnson. Uh, that I've seen in person once is LeBron James. I saw him play against I've the seen Lakers. Him play. He's a freak. Uh, and so I like to put those guys kind of all in the same category because I think not not only are they athletically they superior, they're obviously great mindsets when it comes to sports, but they're great athletes too. They could probably play any professional sport. It just so happened they played the one they could play. Right. I mean, it'd be to be if you said LeBron wanted to go play goalie for the U.S. national team, you'd be like, the, "He's going to be the greatest goalie I've ever seen." No one's going to get by this guy. If you said, "Or receiver in the NFL," or he could play tight end receiver, or if you just say, "Hey, he picked up a tennis racket. Wait till you see him play." Wow. None of us would be surprised if all of a sudden he was smashing a hundred yeah. hundred mile power serves on That's people. True. I mean, the even with the tennis racket, his reach would be sideline to oh, sideline. And the same goes for like Reggie Bush. I bet you know feet wise, it'd be tough for him to give him a soccer ball or yeah. or something like that. And so that's what I always tell people when they're like, "Who do you think the greatest athlete is?" I was like, "Not only do you have to think athletically, you have to think can they play another sport?" Because of course right. you're going to think like, can a basketball player play football or a football player play basketball? Mm. But I would always say like, you know, uh, is it Charles Rogers? No, uh, Sean Rogers, no. the D tackle that used to play for your Browns and yeah. a couple other and the Lions. <laughs> Was one of the freakiest athletes I've ever seen. He was like 360 pounds. He could 360 dunk. Jeez. But he could never play in an NBA game. He wouldn't make it up right, and down right. the court. But I, you put 360 pounds on anyone, and for them to dunk a basketball, you'd be like, you have so much power. That's impressive. It'd be ridiculous. That's impressive. Now, I once heard this somewhere. I can't remember where, if this was a documentary, or if there's some ESPN analyst or some, someone said that um, the best champions in the world have one of two things. They have a belief in themselves, a huge belief in themselves, uh, or a huge belief in their faith or God. And when you look at it, when you look at interviews of guys after they win a game or something, you either see a guy who's super cocky, who's like, yeah, I did this, I did this, me, me, me. But they so believe that they're like a god themselves, that they're so athletic and it's like all on them. It's that belief that allows them to like be so successful and, and dominate on everyone. Or you got the Tebow who's like, God first, you know, put my faith in God. Who's like all God, 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 faith, 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 belief in something else, that he gets his strength from something else. Um, now, do you think that that's a true, you know, I, I could get behind that. You get behind that? Yeah, you yeah, have I could a belief? Because if you don't have the confidence and belief in yourself, either way, yeah. you can't be successful. I uh, I was kind of raised to be a open-minded to all religions yeah um and so i i think they all come from the same thing a sure. belief that you're not here alone that you're right. not uh you all share something whether where you disagree about what you call that god mm-hmm. or who is the messenger or the main messenger that's right. fine everyone believes that you should be good to other people yeah that you feel this spirit inside you that this world was not created for something so i can get behind that because i believe that yeah. um and i believe that 
you know, I, I'm put here for a reason, that there's a plan, that things happen to me and I'm supposed to go forward and, and make people around me better right. and to, uh, you know, whether it's part of a team, whether individually I do that and people rally behind me, however that works, I, I, I believe in that. But you ultimately have to have a belief in yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, because my only argument would be like, well, there's plenty of guys who... You know, those old school uh, documentaries where he says, oh, I you know, used to drive around this neighborhood and I told my mom I'd buy her a car. I'm, I'm betting there's tons of athletes who didn't make it that also said that to their moms right. as, as well as I bet there's a ton of heavy Christians or Catholics that didn't make it in the NFL True. as well. So you have to have a combination of yeah. I think, would, is what would really happen uh, or right. what's the, the truth. <clears throat> but, yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah, I mean, it's about... I don't know. It, it, it is about an inner self. You, you don't you don't expect to lose. Right. You find ways to win. You change. You're not scared of change. You change your plans. You can adapt. You yep. separate yourself somehow. You understand things better. You communicate. You do something that separates you yeah. constantly. And those are the people that I find that are great, whether it's in business or in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've dabbled in broadcasting, and it's these people that that make mistakes and they just run right over them, and they don't even think of them. And the things, you know, those people, I'm just like, wow. I'm like, I, I used the wrong word there, and I really like. <laughs> I'm even scared to say that word again. You know, they're like, oh, don't even worry about blah, blah blah. It's the same that goes for the guy in business that made one mistake in the stock yeah. market. He's like, ah, happens. We're gonna go on, on the next investment. Right. This is gonna do well. Same in sports. Oh, you ran the round route once. Uh, don't worry about it. They're going to throw it to me that next time. Scan and they can bounce yeah, they, back. You know, it's just a, it's amazing, and it's resi- they're resilient. You know, yeah. and uh, you have to be because yeah. as you get higher and higher, there's more people poking and prodding you, and there's more haters. Mm-hmm. If you know, no one boos right. the mailman, is what Reggie Jackson used to say. <laughs> right, right. You know, if you can hide and do nothing, and you'll be yeah. fine. But if you start getting uh, climbing the rakes and anything, you're more exposed. Exactly. Now, what? Um, why do you think? These is great athletes, super successful champions in football, any type of sport. Why do you think when they retire, when they stop the game, that some of them can translate that mindset and that attitude into the business or life and others can't? You got guys who are committing suicide a lot recently. Oh, yeah. You got guys who go bankrupt and then who never get back on their feet. But they're once this amazing champion and, and really great why can't guys – why can guys and then why can't they translate? I think uh, there's, a, there's a bigger emphasis now on putting – on creating a network while you're playing mm. um, and getting a team behind you and getting a team to join, getting people in your corner now when you're playing because too often when guys are playing, everyone wants something from them. Yeah. Hey, I got this investment. Hey, can you uh, – a t-shirt company. Hey, mm. you know, this record label I'm starting. Hey, can you do this? Can you do this for me? And everyone's trying to take from them. Take, take, take. So they become really guarded and they shut down. And then your career's over and those people disappear because the fame and what you can give Sweet. them is over. And now no one's in your corner. And so you're at it all alone Jeez. and you're probably in your mid-30s. And you're depressed because you're not playing ball And you're anymore. depressed and you have your own thing. And no one's in your corner but maybe your wife who's nagging you about this. And you're always at the house now. And your whole life basically gets flipped upside down. Jeez. Time, your, your time spent different. Your money spent different. Everything changes. Media is not a... Uh, you're, no longer, you're no longer relevant. Yeah. And so some guys understand that before they retire and i would say those are the guys that the tran you know that the transcend careers pretty well mm-hmm. that you know they go and go into business they become a, a solid investor and things like that there's there's few guys that 
have dominated in a couple of industries, and I couldn't even name them off the top of my head. But you know, a lot of times it's golfers. They're very individual, and they do a good job of, mm-hmm. of creating their network and a worth, and then they can do something golf-oriented. And uh, like, yeah. oh, whether it's clubs or they learn how to design golf courses and they make money this way. When you play Camps a team or, sport, it's really hard to do that unless you start a camp. But even then, how many kids are going to pay – you know, not, they pay you box, twenty million dollars to design a golf course. No one's going to pay me twenty million dollars to design a football field. Right. Let me guess, it's one hundred twenty <laughs> yards long and it's fifty three and a half yards wide. Like, yeah. Dang it! Nah, <laughs> I didn't get no money out of that. One. So, like, there's just not a lot of opportunities, and and guys don't realize that, and they think that they have, you know. And I, I fell victim to it a little bit too. Is is you retire and you assume that you have this. Um, this aura of, of invincibility that no one is, yeah. can do this and stuff like that. And you do have it, but only in playing football. Then once you're done. But once you're done playing football, you're, that, you're, you're that's human. gone. You're, you're a human just like you're, everyone else. You're exactly right. You're exposed for a lot of different reasons yeah. that you don't have a credibility in anything. Oh, you want to be in the media? You know, you look at a guy like Tiki Barber, right? Mm-hmm. Immediately thrown into Good Day L.A., he should have been on air in the middle of nowhere practice getting reps on how to speak in front of people and what to yeah. say because you know that's not natural for anyone to go do stuff like that so a lot of guys just get exposed really fast and they and they lose confidence that's in when themselves. they're most vulnerable yeah is when you're done and you're so clean. you got to learn how to what you just you know and just how you did it in the nfl you got to learn that you you got to be willing to start start small again and, and yeah. build up your career and Unfortunately for some guys, it's when they're 35 and they have to, and they just are they're not humble enough to start over. They, their ego's too big. They think, why isn't anyone hiring me as a CEO? Because you have no experience. You have no experience. And, and the thing is, you have that mentality. And I know I would be a good manager of people. I know I could be a good motivator, a good coach. Right. But I don't have the experience to deserve that opportunity. Right. You know, those those days are gone when. You know, I, you know, back in the day, they used to hire the baseball players to immediately be the manager, or you'd be a player manager, they like Bill no Russell. They have no clue. To now, manage. no way. You yeah. know, there's no, there's no way you're going to walk right off and, and get that opportunity. So you have to you have to start over at something, and you really have to find something you're passionate about. And right. if you spend your whole life being passionate about football, you never have time to be passionate about anything else. Right, so right. you just hope that you you know hit the ground running with something else. Otherwise. Hopefully, you know, gave yourself you know, enough of a bankroll to, to right. buy time in order to find that passion. And some guys didn't. And some guys, you know, spend the money too fast. And right. now you're just like we were talking about. You're you're in the hole hoping that one of your investments hits. Right. But the a big Lewis risk. House t-shirt company is not doing too well. <laughs> we're living out of the basement. <laughs> Man, so what's um, what's one thing about you, one of your passions that a lot of your fans and maybe some of your friends don't know about. Um, I really enjoyed making people laugh. I got off, yeah. I got uh, asked to do a stand-up comedy set for the Houston Dynamo, um, the soccer team. The, the, soccer the, team. the Dynamo's a soccer team out there, and they had their major league soccer all-star thing. And the, one of the players came up and he's like, "Hey, we heard you. You know, you're willing to get out there and say some funny stuff. We've seen some of the things you do. Would you be willing to get on on stage?" And you know, entertain the crowd for right. five minutes. So I was like, "So what? Do you, what is everyone doing?" And he's like, "Well, some guys are going to tell some jokes. Some guys are just going to tell some stories." Da, da, da. I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and so I remember one night I had a couple of drinks and I sat my buddy down and I grabbed the you know the rock band mic yeah. mic stand and yeah. I told him some jokes and I thought if I could make one of my best friends laugh like with a set, 
I'll do all right. And like, I remember at the end, he's like, you had two funny jokes. Those are, those are two, like, he didn't laugh. <laughs> he just told me those two jokes might do well out of like 10. And I was, cause I had no idea how right. to tell a joke. You just, 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 just talking. Right? <laughs> and so I didn't know if that's what they were going to do or not. So we got up there. I got to the event. He said there was going to be like 500 people there. 2,500 people there. Jeez. You're going to go on stage. Guy Tory, the little comedian, the little comedian, uh, was the MC. I'm like, oh, good. Someone get me a cocktail. I need to loosen up. <laughs> so I had like, you know, a glass of, I think I had a Red Bull vodka and I was like all amped up, liquid courage. And so I went up there and I told jokes and I just killed, well, I, did, I thought I killed it. Now, right. if you was your first time ever telling jokes on stage, I, I would, you, you could go YouTube and I would be impressed if you didn't think it was decent at yeah, worst. Like, yeah. you're like, okay. I mean, I played, off, a little applause. Yeah, I played off the role of being, you know, football. I used some of those jokes about how, you know, football players get a lot more tail than uh, soccer Soccer-way. players and stuff like that. And so it went over well and stuff. And I really enjoyed it. And it really got me going. And so oh. I enjoyed entertaining people in that area. Oh. Not necessarily like I want to be a stand-up comedian or anything like that. But I, I enjoy... Making people laugh. Making people laugh, having fun, uh, you know, enjoying a situation, being able to relate to people and stuff like that because that transcends through everyone. Everyone wants to have a good time. Everyone wants to smile. And if you're not, that's your own fault. You know, you should be having some fun in what you're doing. Otherwise, you shouldn't be doing it. So I kind of – I don't know how where that works, but I know in in the business world, whether it's giving a presentation, I won't be scared. I'm comfortable doing that. I'm comfortable, you know – Making people, com- you know, making other people comfortable, whether it's asking them, you know, the good questions or, or, or relating to their business and things like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that stuff, kind of, you know, can use that. works well, yeah. and I can use that. And I don't know if that means that, you know, I start asking you questions here, but that's, you know, that's what, uh, right. that's what I'm hoping. Right. Cool. So what do you think? We'll, we'll start to wrap it up here. What do you think makes, in one sentence, what makes great people great? Hmm. Uh, not the easiest question because you have to do it in one sentence. What makes great people great? <laughs> in a couple sentences, or no? Um, they separate themselves. Mm. I would say it's a good football analogy. As a receiver, yeah, especially you separate yourself. But um, whether that's taking a chance, whether that's mm. working harder, whether that's never giving up, I think ultimately you separate yourself from the pack. Yeah. Um, that way not like lone wolves do well right because you need to be part of the team and stuff like that but you separate yourself through your performance and right. i think the greatest they that's what they do right. um you know there might have been you know 10 ceos but when they get their opportunity to be the in charge they take the business to another level right. there might have been two scouts but they he went out there and scouted these 10 players and found four great draft picks um you know mm-hmm. you, you might you might be asked to type up, you know, ten pages, and he did fifteen pages consistently, and so over the course of a year, he, right. he you know, quadrupled everyone else's performance. Um, right. <clears throat> whatever you do to separate yourself, how you can separate yourself, I would encourage you to do that because I know that's what I did. Um, right. When I was on practice squad and I was asked to be on scout team, I would scout the other team's corners and mm. the teams were playing receivers, so I would give the corners on my team. Because uh, I wanted to know why those receivers were starting and I wasn't. I would give them a book on our on the players they were uh, right. they were going to play, as well as I would have stuff for our receivers to look at, and so we were prepared to play. So I was 
preparing both sides of the ball. I understood why people were making it as receiver and what defenses were doing to try to take away receivers. So I learned double, and I got the exposure, and I turned you know a, a time on practice squad scout team into a time where I could really learn the craft. Right. You know, just like you said, putting in the groundwork, and I separated myself. There was other scout team receivers, and they got cut, and I played week eight, and I, I did pretty well. So hmm. I would say. The greatest people separate themselves. Interesting. So what's next for you? Where can we find you online first, and what's next for you? Twitter handle, DavidAnderson89. Um, I currently have a digital media job with Package Sports Entertainment, helping out with EA Sports and their NFL films. Um, I'm going to continue my uh, search for education. There's a couple programs through the NFL about a coaching academy that I'm going to go to as well as there's a program in Stanford mm. and an advan- uh, advanced broadcast boot camp thing I'm going to do. So I'm continually just searching for my, uh, I don't want to say next passion because I'm passionate about all these things, but about something I really want to get behind for the next five years. In the meantime, I'm always out there you know, trying to connect with people like you. Uh, I really admire what things that you've done on LinkedIn and, and hearing about your story and your transition. It's, it's impressive and it's honestly inspiring to all athletes and you know, any, any, and you know, on air, I want to offer my ability to connect with some other guys to you and, and everyone listening. That you know, I, I think this is great. And uh, we talked about how Facebook, everyone just bashes you or <laughs> yeah. or says bad things, and LinkedIn and getting together with people and just offering, right. you know, a conversation, a couple, get a cut together and get a cup of coffee and see if there's yeah. any way everyone can help each other. That's the way you know everyone everyone moves forward. And I, um, you know, I just really. You do great stuff online, Thanks, and man. Uh, it. I think everyone's got a great following. If you know, I'll, I'll be getting more involved in this side of the, of, of business and right. and the internet landscape and media and social media. And so, you know, I'm hoping to you know follow kind of in your footsteps in that landscape, and then uh, it'll be fun. And so, hopefully, within the next couple of years, you'll see me doing something where uh, <laughs> you can interview me again in another, another aspect. Of Sooner than that, right. hopefully. Sooner yeah. than that. So make sure to check David out at uh, at DavidAnderson89 on Twitter. And if you're listening to this right now, go ahead and send him a quick tweet. Let him know you enjoyed this interview. And uh, other than that, man, appreciate you, brother. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview with my man, David Anderson awesome story and i'm really excited to see what this guy has got coming up with next after retirement now again thanks so much everyone for leaving all the five-star reviews some more people i saw who are leaving reviews is uh todd bowen king large uh we've got austin henry i saw vegan mafia left me a cool review the shadow boxer sean malarkey kara singleton so again lots of people leaving five-star reviews on itunes if you haven't done so yet Please share the love with me over there on iTunes and uh, leave a quick five-star review. Other than that, guys, looking forward to sharing with you guys some amazing interviews coming up soon. Stay tuned. Leave us a comment over on the blog at schoolofgreatness.com if you enjoyed this. And I'll catch you guys next time.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 